Appreciate that song, and uh, you know I love coming to church. I love seeing everybody here. I love the friendships. I love that my family attends here. I love the ministries I get to be involved with. But at the end of the day, we're here because we have a great, great Savior. 
We are so unworthy, but He loves us and He cares about us. And uh, I hope that your soul is satisfied in Christ alone tonight. And uh, I couldn't think of a better thing, uh, better song to lead into the message. If you've got your Bible, get to Acts chapter number 16. You know, if you do just really come to church for a you know, the social aspect, or because it's kind of what you've always done, you really are missing out on something great that God wants you to have. And uh, you can be a saved person and have a terrible relationship with God. Right? We can have a good or bad relationship with our earthly parents, and we can have a good or bad relationship with our Heavenly Father as well. And uh, our relationship with God is... Uh, should be first and foremost in our life. And uh, your relationship with God is tied directly to your relationship with His Word. The relationship that you have with the Bible right now is your relationship with God. Right? It's not just a feeling that you have in your heart, a, uh, you know, I think that I'm this way, or I'm this way compared to how some other people are. Your relationship with God is tied to your relationship with the Word of God. And you know what, for many people, the Bible is just kind of this nuisance or it's something you just carry around with you. It's a book of antiquated stories that you read and you know make you feel good about yourself. But when Christ is all to you and He is the one who satisfies your soul, the Bible really comes alive to you. Right? The, the Bible is, uh, it, it is a living document. It is something that can speak to you today just as it spoke to the person who originally penned its pages back uh, when it was originally written. And so when you sit down and read the Bible, God is trying to communicate with you. When you pray, you're communicating with God, but God wants to communicate with you through His Word, and I hope that you take time to allow God to communicate with you. I hope that after you read the Word of God, you take time throughout the day or throughout the, uh, the, the following days or you write it down perhaps of some things that God spoke to your heart about so that you can seek to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And as part of uh, being at church on a Sunday night, uh, we're going to take the Bible and we're going to see what the Lord has to say to us tonight. Acts chapter 16 Uh, We are going to look first at the story that is known as the Macedonian vision. And uh, I'm going to give you a title of the message, but I'll tell you it's not not a groundbreaking title. It's just Paul and Silas and Philippi, right? So uh, I've got three points I want to give you. I want to first talk about uh, receiving direction from God, the resistance of Satan, and then being rescued by God. And so uh, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to be in Acts chapter number 16. And we're going to start in verse number 8. It says, And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and praying him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came uh, with a straight course to uh, Samothracia, the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, 
which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of, uh, of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. You can go ahead and be seated. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to end up reading more of the story in just a little bit. I don't want to have you standing for you know, uh, the first 20 minutes of the sermon tonight. But uh, I want to first look at this idea of receiving direction from God. And uh, this is uh, the missionary journey of Paul essentially beginning here, where he has a vision of a person in Macedonia asking him to come and help, to, to help them. And uh, one thing I want to point out in verse 10 says, after we had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Right? So the vision was given to Paul, but all of the people that had joined themselves to Paul, uh, Luke being the author of the book of Acts, being one of them, joined himself to Paul. Based on Paul's vision, they went and journeyed to Macedonia. And uh, what I want to point out first to you is that God has a plan for every single individual. Right? Uh, God, is, God, God likely uh, will, will not appear to you in a vision. Right? And in fact, you know, I, I, I wouldn't count on it. Right? I, I would assume that that's probably not going to happen. And if it is, it's probably not you know, a vision from God. It's probably you, know, you had too much Mountain Dew or, or you know, some, some funky Taco Bell uh, the night before, and that's, that's the vision that you had. Right? Uh, we have the Word of God, which is a more sure word of prophecy. Uh, the Word of God reveals the will of God for us today. But God has a specific plan for each and every individual here, whether you are newly saved or whether you have been saved for your entire life and you are uh, approaching your 80s or even into your 90s. God has a plan for you in your life. That's a really uh, comforting thing, isn't it? Amen. Right? Uh, in this world, you know, ma many of us don't have a lot of value to society. Right? When people look at, at, at you or I, they may not see something that uh, is to be desired. They may look at us and say, we don't have anything to offer. But when God looks at you, He has a specific plan for you. The book of Psalms describes us as individuals as being fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? We are made in the image of God, and He has a plan that He designed for your life specifically. A plan that only you can fulfill. Brother Joe Mays used to always say to me, he said, uh, Josh, you're the best Josh that you could possibly, that, that could possibly be. Yeah. I just butchered his line, and I'm sure he's probably you know, upset about it. But right, you know, you're the best you that you could ever be, right? God has a specific plan for your life, right? Uh, just, just, just really quick diversion, you know. Have you even considered that God has something he wants from you in your life? Amen. Right? God has a plan. Amen. He has a specific plan duty a specific will for your life that only you can fulfill. It is special to you. You were uniquely created to fulfill the plan that God has for you. Praise God for the way that He made you. Amen. Right? You might not like the external appearance of the way that God made you. You may not like the way that your brain works. You may not like the way that uh, things have deteriorated over the years, right? Uh, uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of things that we can look at ourselves and say, I wish this were different, but God made us the way that He made us on purpose. Amen. He gifted us the way that He gifted us on purpose for His purpose for your life. God has a plan for you, and it is our job as believers, it is our duty as believers it is because of the love that we have for God in our hearts, because of the rewards that He's promised us in heaven, because of our fear of not following Him, we choose to find and follow His will for our life. God has a plan for each and every person 
And by the way, His plan for every person involves you sharing the Gospel with others. We cannot just have a role in the work of God that is separated from the sharing of the Gospel. Right? Uh, we look at verse 10 and uh, we look at people like the Apostle Paul. Right, He was given a vision and, of a man in Macedonia saying, come and help us. And you know, He was in tune with the Spirit of God in his life enough to know that, hey, I need to go, uh, I need to, go to Macedonia to preach the Gospel to them. Right? Uh, we have a, God has a will for us as well. And even if we're not called to be a preacher or a missionary, we each have a field of people where God has placed us where we must share the Gospel with them or they will remain lost. Your workplace has coworkers that need the Lord. Rather than just looking at the job that you have as the place that you spend the majority of your time, rather than looking at it as the place where you are uh, you, the, the, the stepping stone in your career, why not look at it at least uh, from the perspective of, hey, the, there's, a, there's a group of people here that God has put in my life that I can be a light for Jesus Christ to. Right? That will radically change the way that you behave at your job. Teenagers you know, uh, and, and children, there, there are people that you go to school with that need the Lord. Right, and, 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 and I'll be honest. Right, as a, we, we get real excited about adults when, when, when you know, when they talk to teenagers, saying, you know, you're at school, and that's the biggest mission field that you're ever going to be a part of, and it is. But just as we get excited about the teenagers needing to reach the kids that they go to school with, we need to get excited about reaching the people that we interact with all the time. I know that we have a lot at stake. Well, you know, to a teenager, their reputation is as big as their career at that point in their life. Right, they, that, that, that God is working in their heart, and hopefully, they, hopefully you teenagers follow the Lord and stand for your faith now when it costs you some reputation points with your friends at school, uh, because if you won't stand now, you're not going to stand when it might cost you some career points in the, in the future. We bemoan changing jobs. We bemoan having to train the new people. Uh, we bemoan new classmates. We bemoan uh, change-ups uh, wherever we go. But those are all new people that we can interact with and share the Gospel. Those are people that God has put in your life, and it is part of the will of God for your life for you to share the Gospel with those people. Amen. Even if you don't work outside the home, your own children need the Lord. Right? And as parents, that's our... First, that, that, that's our biggest responsibility to ensure, to, to pass our faith on to our children. Amen. Have you asked God to give you a burden for the people in your life to be saved? Are, is there, can, can you think of uh, any coworker or any classmate or any person that you know from you know, the YMCA or the grocery store or some other place where you frequent who you have a relationship with who you're hoping that the Lord will use you to see them saved? Can you, name, can you name one person? One person in your life. Not, not, not a person in my life. Not a person that, yeah, Brother Wally needs to do that. This is, this is for each of us individually. We cannot escape the will of God for our life when it comes to sharing the Gospel with others. That is part of God's direction for us in our life. Amen. God blesses and uses those who uh, are faithful to obey Him. 
right? We see it. We see in our story that uh, you know when they, they they got to Macedonia, they got to Philippi, and uh, when they started sharing the gospel, uh, they 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 went to a group of women there first, and uh, you know what, Lydia received Christ and her whole household, and they were baptized. Right? It, it, it's amazing that when we do what God asks us to do, that God uses us. Amen. Right? I, I've heard a lot of people, and I'm sure I've not heard as many as our pastor or Brother Joe have heard, but I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, the Lord just doesn't use me like that. Well, have you put yourself in a position to be used? Amen. God's plan was pretty inconvenient for them, by the way. They didn't just like walk out their, their door and you know, just start sharing, though they were already doing that. They had to travel many, many miles to get to Philippi. They had, to, you know, they, they, they had, uh, they, they had layover ship uh, traveling. Right? It was not a convenient journey. And unfortunately, the, uh, following the plan of God for our life is not going to be convenient. Right? There are times when it's more convenient than others, but you know, Jesus said, you know, if, any, if any man's going to come after me, let him, take up his, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Right? If we're going to follow the will of God for our life, it's going to have to take us dealing with some inconvenience. God blesses us in the midst of our inconvenience when we faithfully obey Him. Lydia, in verse 14, she was described as a worshiper of God. She was saved, and uh, the Bible says, uh, it, says uh, uh, it says, whose heart the Lord opened. So uh, God had already prepared her for the message that they were going to bring to them. Right? So if you're ever worried about sharing the gospel with the wrong person, you know it's the Lord who's opening the hearts of people anyway. Amen. And it is, it, it is an indescribable thing when you get to be a part of someone coming to Christ. Amen. When you get to see someone who the Lord's already been working on Receive Christ as Savior. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with our eloquence. It has everything to do with our Savior and His desire for them to be saved way more than your or my desire for them to be saved. Paul had a vision from God to help the people in Macedonia. He went and the Lord used him to reach this family and many, many others. Right? Uh, I, I just want to ask you, have you endeavored to follow the will of God for your life? We must step out by faith if we're going to fulfill the plan of God for our lives, right? And, you know, if that was the end of the story, right, it'd be a good story, but that's not it, right? There's more to the story. Let's pick, let's pick up our story in verse 16. It says, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And uh, this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought, unto them, uh, and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city, teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. The multitude rose up together against them, and their magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer, jailer to keep them safely. 
who having received such a charge, thrust them to the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. We'll go ahead and stop right there for now. Uh, Satan obviously is not going to like when we step out in faith and try to follow the plan of God for our life. And we see here, uh, he used a number of things to uh, distort and distract people from the uh, message that God wanted them to have. Uh, Our enemy is very powerful. Uh, Our pastor is going to continue his series on Satan in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Uh, But, uh, you know, Satan is deceptive and extremely powerful. Uh, This uh, young lady, she uh, was possessed of a devil. She had a spirit of divination, right? That allowed her to make her masters a lot of money through soothsaying or basically foretelling the future, right? Uh, We look at, uh, you know, folks who are uh, participating, you know, like palm readers and, you know, um, I don't don't remember, any any of y'all remember Miss Cleo from like the early 2000s, right? Uh, I, I, I still remember that to this day, right? That lady, if she had any legitimacy at all to what she was doing, that meant she's possessed of a devil, Right, so uh, folks who are uh, you know visiting palm readers, fortune tellers, and uh, using astrology, what you're doing is you're 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 practicing in Satan's backyard. You're 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 uh, you're opening yourself to the influence and power of Satan. Right, we know that Satan operates in a much more visible manner in, in areas such as those, but for a lot of Christians, especially in America in 2023, we're not going to mess with that type of stuff. But we're, what we're going to fall prey to is what we see this, uh, what we see this demon doing through this young lady uh, as, she, as Paul was trying to share the gospel. Right? So Paul was going through uh, the city of Philippi sharing the gospel, and this young lady was following him saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God and offer us the way of salvation. Right? Uh, let, let, let me... Uh, uh, says so the same followed follow, follow us in Christ, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. Now, when I read that, I don't, do you see anything wrong with what she said? She didn't say anything wrong. We agree with everything she said. Right? What's the problem then? Right? We know she was possessed of a devil, but why would a devil say such a thing? Right? We, we actually see that happen a couple of times in Jesus' ministry where the devils came up to him the, with the maniac of Gadara, you know, thou art Jesus, son of the most high. Right? Jesus told uh, a man in the temple to hold his peace when uh, he came up to him and worshipped him and said that he's uh, the, 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 the son of God. Right? Uh, why, why is that such a big deal? She said the right things. There's really nothing wrong with what she said. Right? The Bible doesn't record anything else that she said or did other than that she followed them for many days. Did you know that this person, I'm sure, had, a, had quite the reputation in that area? Right? If she made her masters a lot of money, people knew who she was. Right? Uh, I'm sure she was the Miss Cleo of, of the city of Philippi. They might have had little, little, little ad, uh, ads on the wall uh, with her, you know, come get your fortune told. She'll tell you what's coming in the future for you. Right? Uh, just, cost, just, just cost $10 for a reading. Right? You know, I, I'm, I'm sure that people knew who this person was, and for her to follow these men around saying, hey, this is the, uh, the, the, these men are telling us the truth, uh, 
minimally it muddied the waters of the message of God. And Satan is far more clever than any of us are. And even if we are not capable of fully understanding why he would have one of his servants say such a thing, it is clear that it grieved Paul. And, and, and Paul did not allow this, to continue. he allowed it to continue for a couple of days, uh, many days. To, in verse 18 it says, But Paul being grieved turned and said unto the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. There are many today that just as this demon-possessed girl did, they distort the message of salvation and the message of Christ and biblical Christianity by being a professing Christian that has absolutely no evidence of faith besides what comes out of their mouth. Could it be that Satan uses Christian celebrities, Christian musicians, Christian athletes to lure the people of God away from the way that God would have them to go? That's exactly what he was trying to do here. And we are so foolish to lift up so many of these, quote, Christian, you know, people that have a platform to stand upon where the world is interested in them. And we lift them up as being model Christians and examples for our young people. And we allow them to have a foothold in our life. And they are really leading us away from God. We are naive to believe that someone who is famous that professes Christ, who seems to pay no price for their faith, is the perfect kind of person to lift up as a role model. Right? And there's all kinds of people out there doing this, whether they are you know, home renovation specialists that claim Christ or whether they are musicians that have converted. Right? You know, I don't know if Kanye West is saved or not, He's either saved and has completely destroyed his brain, or he is being used by Satan to distract people away from God. Right? right? Justin Bieber? Right. You kidding me? Right. Amen. He's a Christian now. Yeah. Seems about the same to me. I don't like. I'm not like. I don't like follow him or know what he's up to all the time. I mean, <laughs> but I'm telling the truth there. <laughs> Never been interested in Justin Bieber, right? <laughs> you kidding me though? Right? Yeah, you're, 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 oh, he's a Christian now. Let's, he, he even came out with a Christian song. Right. Okay. Right? Uh, and and I, honestly, don't give in to the deception of the devil. That is a clear tactic of Satan to distort the message of God. We cannot fall for his tricks. We need to be discerning believers armed with the knowledge of God and the fullness of the Spirit as Paul was to be able to see through such deception. Again, it is so vitally important for you to know the Word of God to be able to see the difference in something that is true and something that is almost true. 1 John 4.1 Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Every single book in the New Testament warns us against false prophets, false Christs, wolves in sheep's clothing, and the best and most effective way for Satan to get God's people away from God's message is by being 
like Christ just enough to deceive people. The masters of this girl who were demon-possessed were not happy that they lost their, mo- their opportunity for money. And it, I, I think it was a great... I've, I've never uh, you know, seen an you know, unclean or an evil spirit you know, brought out of somebody to my knowledge. Right? I, I don't know that uh, you know, when God works in a very visible way, Satan is also given opportunity to work in a very visible way. Right? You know, when uh, Moses was in Egypt and uh, was uh, you know, trying to get Pharaoh to let the people go, right? he threw his staff down and it turned into a snake. The magicians of Pharaoh also did the same thing. Right? So uh, Satan was given license to uh, mimic what God was doing. And uh, I don't know that uh, you know, spirits are going to tear people like, the, like we read about them doing in the Bible and uh, when they come out of them or run into a herd of swine and go down the, the, the a hillside into the, in, into the water. Right? You know, I don't know that they're going to do that today, but I, it's a pretty big deal if, if a demon comes out of somebody and they get saved. Right? It's a big deal when anybody gets saved. Right? What, what, if you've led someone to Christ before, right, you're never going to forget the first person you ever led to Christ. But it's a, it's a miracle when that happens. It's a, it's a high point. Right? This had to be a high point for Paul and Silas when uh, this, this, this girl who was demon-possessed was, was, was made free of that through Jesus Christ. Right? That, that had to be a great victory, but quickly after that great victory... They found themselves imprisoned, beaten, and whipped for sharing Christ. Satan distorts the message of God, and he will do all that he can to disrupt and discourage the work of God. When you see victory in your life spiritually, when you take a step forward in the Lord, often you are hit with resistance from from, from our enemy. And we see that here as Paul and Silas tried to follow God. They were met with resistance. They were thrown in jail. They were whipped. They were beaten. Satan will bring persecution in the life of every believer as we try and follow the Lord. We cannot escape persecution. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse twelve. The Bible says, "Yea, and all them that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." Amen. If I had to pick a least favorite verse in the Bible, that's probably it. Right. None of us like persecution. None of us like enduring difficulties. None of us like being mistreated for our faith, but we must expect resistance from Satan as we follow Christ. We cannot avoid all persecution and continue to follow Christ. So if you're going to follow the will of God for your life, the direction that God has for you, you are going to have to endure resistance from Satan. But the good news is, is that when Satan brings resistance, there is rescue that comes from God. Let's pick up where we were reading in verse 26. I want to read uh, ju- uh, just about 10 more verses. It says, uh, so uh, verse 25, uh, well, well, let's jump back to verse 24. It says, who receiving such a charge thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the socks. Paul and Silas in prison. Verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, saying praises unto God. Prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. They spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized he and all his straight way. And uh, we'll go ahead and stop there. So we see uh, Paul and Silas were rescued by God in the midst of persecution. When all seemed hopeless, we see Paul and Silas doing what so few do when facing persecution and difficulty. They prayed and sang praises to God. Right? That, that, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that goes so against my own nature. I, I, there, there's no other way to say it. That's the last thing that we want to do when we're being persecuted. We want to stop doing what is causing us to get persecuted. When we're dealing with difficulty, the last thing that we want to do is allow ourselves to continue in that difficulty any longer than we need to. We seek for a way out immediately. Paul and Silas, the Bible says, midnight, they prayed and sang praises to God. They prayed first. God should not be our last resort. Right? Let that sink in. Right? Brother, Joe, Brother Joe talked about it a little bit this morning of how we run to uh, everything else first and then when all else has failed, that's when we run to God. Uh, Paul and Silas, they went to God first. He didn't pull his I'm a Roman card till after they tried to get him out. If you're familiar with the rest of the story. Right? Uh, they took their supplication to God first and they sang praises to Him. This was not just a song that they muttered that, that was in their hearts or something that they uh, muttered under their breath. They sang aloud so that others could hear them. And this is just after they were beaten, whipped, and jailed for following Christ. They were singing about Him while they were in jail. While most people would have laid up at night worrying about what the next day would bring, Paul and Silas were up at midnight singing and, pray, and praising God. Praying and singing praises to God. Have you ever wonder what they were singing? I, I often wonder that, right? I, and, and I like the way our church does music, right? We're, we're, not, we're not here having a funeral for Jesus, Amen. right? Uh, we, 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 sing, we sing pretty fast. Uh, bef- uh, after a prayer time, Brother Joe was, you know, he was going like this, like, I'm, I, I don't mess around. We just keep on moving, right? You know, uh, when, we're, when we're here at church, right, we're, we're here celebrating the life of Jesus. He's alive, Amen. right? And Paul and Silas, you know, they weren't, they weren't singing, you know, woe is me and, you know, uh, songs about precious memories and oh, how they linger. You know, they were singing praises to God, Amen. right? I, I, I wonder, you know, what, what, they, what, what were they singing, right? Uh, you know, one of the songs, I, I, a song I really like, Everything's All Right in My Father's House, where there's joy, joy, joy. That's the kind of song they probably were singing. I'm sure, and, and, and you really can't praise God without an element of joy in your heart. Amen. And so, even in the midst of persecution, severe persecution at that, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of imprisonment, potential death, they prayed and sang praises to God. Right? Uh, by the way, they did not know that they were going to be delivered via that earthquake. They did not know that. But they still were, were pray, they prayed and sang praises to God just as though He might not have delivered them. 
right? I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were told to bow down when the, the music played to Nebuchadnezzar and the king, and they said, you know, king, we're not going to do what you want. Our God can deliver us, but if not, we're still not going to do what you want, right? Uh, as, as, as Christians, you know, first and foremost, we should seek to do what our Father wants us to do regardless of what comes. And I know it's really easy for us to sit here in this room tonight and say, you know what, I'm going to follow God no matter the cost. Uh, but you know what, when there is a cost, when we pray and take it to the Lord and when we find a way to sing praises to Him, you know what, we're going to continue paying that cost. When you're in the midst of persecution or difficulty, have you taken that situation to God? And once you've done that, have you taken time to praise Him? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks. Amen. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's not just for people living 2,000 years ago. That's not just for Paul and Silas. That's for Americans in 2023 at Bible Baptist Church. We can, uh, in everything, we are to give thanks. It is the will of God for you and for me to give thanks to God, to praise God for what He has done for you in your life. They were rescued, they prayed, sang praises to God, and they didn't seek an escape from where God had placed them. Right? I'm sure that they were praying for God to deliver them. Right? You know, I'm, I'm sure that was probably the main theme of their prayers. Lord, uh, you know, can you get us out of this? Will you get us out of this? We know we can. Will you get, a, get us out of this, Lord? The answer came. Right? You know, an earthquake came right away. They're, 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 they're all set. Right? You know, so the, the jailer came and he was going to kill himself because he figured everyone had just ran off. They stayed. Isn't that weird? Right? So this, 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 this freak earthquake comes, shakes the foundations of the prison, is what the Bible says. And all it does, it doesn't collapse the building on them, it just opens all their locks and opens all the doors. That kind of thing. Only God can do that. Amen. Right? That obviously was an answer to their prayer. So why, would, why wouldn't they just walk out? And on top of that, I'm sure they weren't the only prisoners in there. So somehow, Paul and Silas, this earthquake comes, op unlocks all the chains, opens all the doors. They have convinced all the prisoners who, generally speaking, are not, you know, upstanding members of society, hey, uh, I know your chains are unlocked. It's nighttime. People aren't going to see you as easily. Uh, I want you to you just stay here. It's all good. Right? Maybe, 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 maybe because of the song of Paul and Silas, they had, the, the other prisoners had believed, and you know, he was just like, hey, you know, guys, you've got to pay your debt to society. To, to, that's, that's part of being, being, being right with God. You need to be right with your fellow man. Maybe that, maybe, that's, maybe, maybe that type of thing is what he used to convince them to stay. But whatever the reason he was, they were all there. Certainly was the leading of God that caused them to stay. But the jailer was the one that we, we often focus on in the story, and, and, and rightfully so. Right? He came in, asked the best question that somebody could ever ask. Right? Uh, what must I do to be saved? Right? Uh, you don't get asked that question very much. Paul and Silas were asked that question. 
Did you know that that jailer probably had a hand in adding the uh, stripes to Paul and Silas's back? This guy that was part of persecuting them now wanted the God that they were in jail for preaching. I don't know about you, but when, pe- when people persecute me, I don't like them. It, ma- it really makes me mad. Right? And I deal primarily with teenagers, and so like, get disrespected by like a 12-year-old kid. Say, I don't want your Jesus, basically. It's like, Dude, you don't even put on deodorant. Get out of my face. <laughs> right? You know, it, it, it's one of those things where, where, where we have such, uh, at least I have, such an amount of pride at times where, you know, we just, if some, somebody does something to us, they persecute us. Yep. You know, we'll see you on Judgment Day, buddy. That's not how, that's not how Paul and Silas operate. That, they, 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 I, and it, really, that's not how we should operate. Matthew 5.44, the words of Jesus probably were in their minds at the time. says, but I said to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Right? This man comes in. They didn't tell him, good luck. They didn't say, hey, we're leaving, buddy. Stop us if you can. They, they, shared, they shared Christ with him. Amen. He was saved and his entire household was saved. What a miracle. Amen. The difficulty that they faced, the circumstances they were in, they used that as an opportunity to share Christ once again. The jailer would have been killed for losing prisoners. Paul and Silas helped save his life. They never would have met that jailer had they never been thrown into prison. That man's family would have never received Christ had they not been put into prison. When we avoid suffering at all costs, we miss out on opportunities that God is trying to create for us to reach more people. When we avoid suffering and persecution, we are also choosing to avoid the will of God for our life. Suffering brought opportunities to share the gospel, and it brought opportunities for their faith to grow. I don't know about you, but if I was Paul and Silas, I'd be telling that story the rest of my life. I'm I'm sharing the story right now, and I wasn't even there. Right? When God uses you, when, when, when God works through you, you know, that's something that builds your faith, and it causes people to be saved. By faith, we must endure difficulty. With the Lord's help, not only will we overcome Satan, but Christ also will be magnified in our life and in the lives of others. Right? That jailer asked a really important question, and it's one that we all must consider at some point in our life. What must I do to be saved? What are you trusting for heaven someday? How do you know you're going to be in heaven someday? Are you trusting in yourself? Or as uh, Paul and Silas said, Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? If I could ask everyone to stand, we're going to have a moment of invitation.